0: sermon thirty-one of sermons for all the sundays of the year sermons twenty-six through fifty-three by st alphonsus luguri this librivox recording is in the public domain sermon thirty-one second sunday after pentecost on holy communion a certain man made a great supper luke chapter fourteen verse sixteen in the gospel of this day we read that a rich man prepared a great supper He then ordered one of his servants to invite to it all those whom he should find in the highways, even though they were poor, blind, and lame, and to compel those who should refuse to come to the supper, go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And he added that of all those who had been invited and had not come, not one should ever partake of his supper but I say unto you that none of those men that were invited shall taste of my supper. This supper is the Holy Communion. It is a great supper at which all the faithful are invited to eat the sacred flesh of Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Take ye and eat. This is my body. Matthew 24. Let us then consider today in the first point the great love which Jesus Christ has shown us in giving us himself in the sacrament. And in the second point, how we ought to receive him in order to draw great fruit from the Holy Communion. First point, on the great love which Jesus Christ has shown us in giving us himself in the sacrament. Jesus knowing that his hour was come, that he should pass out of this world to the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. John 13, knowing that the hour of his death had arrived, Jesus Christ wished before his departure from this world to leave us the greatest proof which he could give of his love, by leaving us himself in the Holy Eucharist. He loved them to the end. That is, according to St. Chrysostom, with an extreme love. St. Bernadine of Siena says that the tokens of love which are given at death make a more lasting impression on the mind and are more highly esteemed. But whilst others leave a ring or a piece of money as a mark of their affection, Jesus has left us himself entirely in the sacrament of love. And when did Jesus Christ institute this sacrament? He instituted it, as the Apostle has remarked, on the night before his Passion. The Lord Jesus, the same night on which he was betrayed, took bread, and giving thanks, broke and said, Take ye and eat. This is my body. 1 Corinthians 11 Thus at the very time that men were preparing to put him to death, our loving Redeemer resolved to bestow upon us this gift. Jesus Christ then was not content with giving his life for us on a cross. He wished also before his death to pour out, as the Council of Trent says, all the riches of his love by leaving himself for our food in the Holy Communion. He, as it were, poured out the riches of his love towards man. If faith had not taught it, who could ever imagine that a God would become man, and afterwards become the food of his own creatures? When Jesus Christ revealed to his followers this sacrament, which he intended to leave us, St. John says that they could not bring themselves to believe it, and departed from him, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This saying is hard, and who can hear it? St. John 6. But what men could not imagine the great love of Jesus Christ has invented and effected. Take ye and eat, this is my body. These words he addressed to his apostles on the night before he suffered, and he now after his death addresses them to us. How highly honored, says St. Francis de Sales, would that man feel to whom the king sent from his table a portion of what he had on his own plate. But how should he feel if that portion were a part of the king's arm? In the Holy Communion, Jesus gives us not a part of his arm, but his entire body in the sacrament of the altar. He gave you all, says St. John Chrysostom, reproving our ingratitude. He left nothing for himself. And St. Thomas teaches that in the Eucharist, Christ has given us all that he is and all that he has. Justly, then, has the same saint called the Eucharist a sacrament of love, a pledge of love. It is a sacrament of love because it was pure love that induced Jesus Christ to give us this gift in pledge of love. For he wished that, should a doubt of his having loved us ever enter into our minds, we should have this sacrament a pledge of his love. Saint Bernard calls this sacrament love of loves. By his incarnation, the Lord has given himself to all men in general, but in this sacrament he has given himself to each of us in particular, to make us understand the special love which he entertains for each of us. Oh, how ardently does Jesus Christ desire to come to our souls in holy communion! This vehement desire he expressed at the time of the institution of the sacrament, when he said to the apostles, With desire I have desired to eat this Pascha with you luke twenty two saint lawrence justinian says that these words proceeded from the enamoured heart of jesus christ who by such tender expressions wished to show us the ardent love with which he loved us this is the voice of the most burning charity and to induce us to receive him frequently in holy communion he promised eternal life that is the kingdom of heaven to those who eat his flesh He that eateth this bread shall live for ever. John 6. On the other hand, it threatens to deprive us of his divine grace and of paradise if we neglect communion. Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall not have life in you. John 6. These promises and these threats all sprung from a burning desire to come to us in this sacrament. And why does Jesus Christ so vehemently desire that we receive him in the Holy Communion? It is because he takes delight in being united with each of us. By the communion, Jesus is really united to our soul and to our body, and we are united to Jesus. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me and I in him. John 6. Thus, after communion, we are, says St. Chrysostom, one body and one flesh with Jesus Christ. Hence, St. Lawrence Justinian exclaims, O how wonderful is thy love, O Lord Jesus, who hast wished to incorporate us in such a manner with thy body, that we should have one heart and one soul, inseparably united with thee. Thus to every soul that receives the Eucharist, the Lord says what he once said to his beloved servant, Margaret of Elpris. Behold, my daughter, the close union made between me and thee, love me then and let us remain for ever united in love let us never more be separated this union between us and jesus christ is according to st chrysostom the effect of the love which jesus christ bears us but o lord such intimate union with man is not suited to the divine majesty but love seeks not reason it goes not where it ought to go but where it is drawn st bernardine of siena says that in giving himself for our food, Jesus Christ loved us to the last degree, because he united himself entirely to us, as food united to those who eat it. The same doctrine has been beautifully expressed by St. Francis de Sales. No action of the Savior can be more loving or more tender than the institution of the Holy Eucharist, in which he, as it were, annihilates himself and takes the form of food, to unite himself to the souls and bodies of his faithful servants. Hence, there is nothing from which we can draw so much fruit as from the Holy Communion. St. Denis teaches that the most holy sacrament has greater efficacy to sanctify souls than all other spiritual means. St. Vincent Ferrier says that a soul derives more profit from one communion than from fasting a week on bread and water. The Eucharist is, according to the Holy Council of Trent a medicine which delivers us from venial and preserves us from mortal sins. Jesus himself has said that they who eat him, who is the fountain of life, shall receive permanently the life of grace. He that eateth me, the same shall also live by me. John 6. Innocent III teaches that by the Passion, Jesus Christ delivers us from the sins we have committed, and by the Eucharist from the sins we may commit. According to St. Chrysostom, the Holy Communion inflames us with the divine love and makes us objects of terror to the devil. The Eucharist is a fire which inflames us, that, like lions breathing fire, we may retire from the altar, being made terrible to the devil. In explaining the words of the spouse of the canticles, he brought me into the cellar of wine. He set in order charity in me. St. Gregory says, that the communion is the cellar of wine, in which the soul is so inebriated with divine love that she forgets and loses sight of all earthly things. Some will say, I do not communicate often, because I am cold in divine love. In answer to them, Gerson asks, will you then, because you feel cold, remove from the fire? When you are tepid, you should more frequently approach this sacrament. St. Bonaventure says, Trusting in the mercy of God, though you feel tempered approach, let him who thinks himself unworthy reflect, that the more infirm he feels himself, the more he requires a physician. And in The Devout Life, chapter 20, St. Francis de Sales writes, two sorts of persons ought to communicate often, the perfect to preserve perfection, and the imperfect to arrive at perfection. It cannot be doubted that he who wishes to communicate should prepare himself with great diligence, that he may communicate well. Let us pass to the second point. Second point. On the preparation we ought to make in order to derive great fruit from the Holy Communion. Two things are necessary in order to draw great fruit from Communion. Preparation for and Thanksgiving after Communion. As to the preparation, it is certain that the saints derived great profit from their communions only because they were careful to prepare themselves well for receiving the holy eucharist it is easy then to understand why so many souls remain subject to the same imperfections after all their communions carnal bona says that the defect is not in the food but in the want of preparation for it for frequent communion two principal dispositions are necessary first is detachment from creatures and disengagement of the heart from everything that is not God. The more the heart is occupied with earthly concerns, the less room there is in it for divine love. Hence, to give full possession of the whole heart to God, it is necessary to purify it from worldly attachments. This is the preparation which Jesus himself recommends to St. Gertrude. I ask nothing more of thee, he said to her, than that thou come to receive me with a heart divested of thyself. Let us then withdraw our affections from creatures, and our hearts shall belong entirely to the Creator. The second disposition necessary to draw great fruit from communion is a desire of receiving Jesus Christ in order to advance in his love. He, says St. Francis de Sales, who gives himself through pure love, ought to be received only through love. Thus the principal end of our communions must be to advance in love of Jesus Christ. He once said to St. Matilda, when you communicate, desire all the love, that any soul has ever had for me. And I will accept your love in proportion to the fervor with which you wished for it. Thanksgiving after communion is also necessary. The prayer we make after communion is the most acceptable to God and the most profitable to us. After communion, the soul should be employed in affections and petitions. The affections ought to consist not only in acts of thanksgiving, but also in acts of humility, of love an oblation of ourselves to God. Let us then humble ourselves as much as possible in the sight of a God made our food after we had offended him. A learned author says that, for a soul after communion, the most appropriate sentiment is one of astonishment at the thought of receiving a God. She should exclaim, What a God to me! A God to me! Let us also make many acts of the love of Jesus Christ. He has come into our souls in order to be loved. Hence he is greatly pleased with those who after communion say to him, My Jesus, I love thee, I desire nothing but thee. Let us also offer ourselves and all that we have to Jesus Christ, that he may dispose of all as he pleases. And let us frequently say, My Jesus, thou art all mine. Thou hast given thyself entirely to me. I give myself entirely to thee. After communion, we should not only make these affections, but we ought also to present to God with great confidence many petitions for his graces. The time after communion is a time in which we can gain treasures of divine graces. St. Teresa says that at that time, Jesus Christ remains in the soul, as on a throne, saying to her what he said to the blind man, What wilt thou that I should do to thee? Mark 10. As if he said, But me you have not always. John 12. Now that you possess me within you, ask me for graces. I have come down from heaven on purpose to dispense them to you. Ask whatever you wish, and you shall obtain it. Oh, what great graces are lost by those who spend but little time in prayer after communion. Let us also turn to the Eternal Father, and bearing in mind the promise of Jesus Christ, Amen, Amen, I say to you, If you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. John 16. Let us say to him, My God, for the love of this thy Son, whom I have within my heart, give me thy love, make me all thine. And if we offer this prayer with confidence, the Lord will certainly hear us. He who acts thus may become a saint by a single communion. End of Sermon 31.